I would say we're doing well at keeping the ball rolling and, and telling people the, the different resources to get their churches going. But I don't know that we are making sure that their marriages are great. If we were honest, we would have to say that there was this pressure upon us that if you had to be squeaky clean mm -hmm. in order to be in ministry. And when they say they're fine, it. we usually say, okay, so what's the real deal? And <laughs> many times, yeah. that is when they'll tell mm -hmm. you, well, now that you ask again, we're struggling. There were issues, you really couldn't fess those or own up to those or admit those things because of a fear of what other people would think. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host. I'm the director of Fruitful Vine Ministry, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard, as we've been listening to in the last couple episodes and the story from Phil and Cheryl Hager, as they've talked about the crisis in their marriage, intervention in their marriage, and then eventually restoration. But we, we found out from the two previous conversations that probably the hardest thing a pastor can ever face is the struggle in his marriage. Uh, I mean, pastors can deal with a lot of difficulties and challenges in their ministry, but when it hits home, literally, it uh, becomes a whole different beast. And what do you do when you're called to shepherd others, or even as pastors are often uh, privileged to do, called to help others with their marriages and help out with families that are struggling, but in the meantime, and a lot of times people don't know about it, your own family, your own marriage is hurting. Do you keep silent? Do you suck it up? Or do you get help? Well, in this third interview with Phil and Cheryl Hager, the, the healthiest pastors, we're going to find this out, are those who deal honestly with their struggles. So let's join in that conversation and, and listen especially uh, to their heart burden for pastors. Uh, not what they do in ministry, but what is going on at home? What is going on with the marriage? So let's join in on that conversation now. Back with Phil and Cheryl Hager here. I've told uh, they've been telling a dramatic story of brokenness and healing, redemption, restoration, and marriage. And Phil, you were really ending the story talking about being in Arizona and how it was a hard ministry, but a healthy ministry in the sense that it was preparing you obviously for what you're you're doing now. And in the break here, you both were commenting how your marriage was very healthy during that time. It was fully restored, and pray, praise God for that. Uh, so let's pick it up there, and what I'd like to do is, is segue, you know, as you tell the story of what happened next, um, we're going to talk a little bit here. I want you to talk about what your burden for uh, as you look at families in ministry today, because uh, your view is different than someone who's not experienced what you've experienced. Um, so pick up, pick up where we left off. Uh, you were in Arizona. How did you end up here? So we're in Arizona really believing in our hearts that this is where we were going to finish out our career mm -hmm. and retire. Um, and uh, at that point in my life, I really felt that there was no way, it just was simply not possible that we would ever find ourselves in a place of district ministry again. 
Um, I enjoyed district ministry. Um, I enjoyed pastoral ministry. And there's really positives and negatives on both sides of the equation. But I just didn't see it as a possibility. And generally, when you're talking district leadership, you're talking about uh, being a, a leader to pastors. Yes. But I always, but my in my heart of hearts, um, I enjoy working with leaders more than anything else mm. in ministry. That, pa- that's passion my passion. And, and gift. That's mm-hmm. my calling. And that's probably... Without sounding self-aggrandizing, my gifting in its greatest measure. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, we had gone to Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas was <laughs> the closest place for us to shop where we lived in mm-hmm. Kingman, Arizona. It was uh, it was ninety minutes away. But if you wanted to go to a restaurant or to a mall or do any kind of shopping, you had to go into Las Vegas. And we had gone to Las Vegas to spend the day, and we were on our way back. And literally, we were crossing the Hoover Dam. I kid you not. Mm. We were literally crossing on top of the Hoover Dam. And my cell phone rang. And um, it was a call asking if I would be willing to uh, allow my name to stand in consideration to become the district superintendent of the Southern District. And uh, literally, as the question was being asked, we lost the connection. (laughs) Don't you hate that? And 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 I'm, I this sounds funny, but I, I I was a little fearful, and I made the comment to Cheryl. They're going to think I just hung up yeah, on them. Yeah, lost connection means lost opportunity. Right? And so we worked our way back up through the mountain ranges. If you've ever been across that part of Nevada, you mm-hmm. you know how it is. But um, so I immediately made the call back, and we had never, we literally had been all over the United States and spent time in the United States, but. Ironically, I had never spent any time in the Deep South. We had driven across this part of the country, but never had spent any time here. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the, the last place in the world that I ever thought I would live, much less serve in ministry. A long story short, we went through the process of, of uh, vetting, and in March of 2013, um, I was elected to become the district superintendent of the Southern District. And on August 1st of 2013, I actually assumed that role. And all of a sudden, I find myself now in a place of district ministry again, by God's grace, doing the thing I love the most, mm-hmm. leading leaders yes. and working with pastors and their wives. Mm-hmm. No doubt your uh, experience in your marriage uh, made you a completely different leader, as we mentioned earlier, than you would have been. Um, Cheryl, you can speak to this first, maybe, and then Phil, I'd love to hear your thoughts, too. As, as, um, as, as you look at what we're doing well and not doing well in the health of marriages in the church, um, speak to that a little bit. Well, I would say we're doing well at keeping the ball rolling and um, and telling people the the different resources to get their churches going. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that we are making sure that their marriages are great. And mm-hmm. um, we do that on an individual level. I think that is one of our, our strong suits <clears throat> in that we are not best friends with everybody, but we have a very good relationship with those that serve mm-hmm. under us to the point where a lot of them are very honest with us mm-hmm. and we can handle it. 
Um, I'd rather have that than these pretending relationships that that don't work. Mm. And um, so I, I would say we're working together toward goals, but I don't know that we have the camaraderie that mm. I wish we had. Mm. Um, sometimes we have to go outside our our individual and denominations for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, even before we left Arizona, um, I had a, a deep friendship with a, um, a, a gal that was the pastor's wife from an evangelical free mm-hmm. church. And we prayed together every Wednesday morning from 6 to 7.30. Then I'd go to work. But uh, we still pray together every, every week. And, um, and we are brutally honest with each other about anything that is on, in our mm-hmm. lives, on our hearts. And if you don't have that, you know, Scripture tells us that, you know, we're much stronger together. But you feel, you feel there would be strength if that came from the, the more immediate community where the pastor and his wife serve. Um, I think that that makes the most sense. But I wish my passion would be if we could have that as denominations mm-hmm. of the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not always it's yeah. not always possible. Yeah. Phil, what makes that hard? A, a pastor is reluctant to share about struggles in marriage for fear of, of perhaps I mean your story, uh, you know, loss of, of vocation because of it. Um, uh, what burdens you there, and what, what what's the answer? Well. If I could, if I could just add a, a caveat here, mm-hmm. when Cheryl and I went through the ordeal that we went through in our own marriage, mm-hmm. um, if, if we were honest, we would have to say that there was this pressure upon us, probably self-imposed. I'm not going to blame anyone else, but um, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. That. If you had to be squeaky clean mm-hmm. in order to be in ministry, and everything had to be neat and tidy, and if there were issues, you really couldn't confess those or own up to those or admit those things because of a fear of what other people would think. Mm-hmm. And so when we went through our ordeal, I, I vowed that if God ever gave us an opportunity to be in a position... Uh, in our life at some time down the road um, where we could be working with pastors and leaders again that I would not I would give far more freedom than what we felt Mm. for them to be honest and real and authentic and to share their struggles because the truth of the matter is pastors and their wives are human beings and people Mm -hmm. as well and we all share struggles and so uh, we, I can't speak for other districts, but we're brutally honest with our pastors in the Southern mm-hmm. District. I, I literally had a phone call from a pastor last week who, who uh, opened up and shared with me uh, a situation going on with his wife and his family. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I love that because it, it means that we have a relationship with our pastors where there's a freedom for them to be able to admit their faults their deficiencies, their struggles, uh, their issues, without feeling like there's going to be condemnation or that their ministry is going to stand in jeopardy mm-hmm. because they're having to be honest about mm-hmm. something. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I know a story for years ago of a pastor and his wife who, who shared publicly with their congregation that their marriage was hurting. And at the end of the service, uh, crowds of people came up, prayed with them. Yeah. And then people started sharing their own struggles. Right. with uh, And elders began to pray with people. And it opened up uh, a, a um, uh, you know something uh, that had been artificial in the church and brought mm-hmm. about a, a realness, mm-hmm. an authenticity. That strengthened the church, and right. and the, the pastor and his wife felt like, hey, this is a congregation that we 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 need them to know because they they're going to contribute to to our healing, but also we can be more connected with them and their struggles and pains if we share with them that we're also right. vulnerable and, and weak. Because of the because of what we went through, we're we're brutally honest mm-hmm. and quite frankly blunt mm-hmm. with our pastors and wives when we sit down to meet with them. Mm-hmm. You mean, for example, if they admit that they're they're struggling in their marriage, you're you're well, what do you say to them? Cheryl and I, when we're <laughs> on the road, travel together ninety nine point nine percent of the time. So when we meet with pastors, we meet together as pastors and wives as mm-hmm. couples. And if we're sitting at dinner or just having a casual conversation, we'll come right out and say, "How are things at home? Mm-hmm. How are things mm-hmm. in your marriage?" Because um, the instinct is to talk about ministry, isn't it? It, it so, is, and we yeah. talk about that. But this is very much a part of ministry. Mm-hmm. And when they say they're I fine, we usually say, okay, so what's the real deal? And <laughs> many times yeah. that is when they'll tell mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. well, now that you ask again, we're struggling. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times we'll sit down for a conversation and we'll be talking about ministry and the husband... Uh, and I don't fault husbands for this because I would have been the same way. We'll tell you about all the great things that God's doing mm-hmm, in their church mm-hmm. and their ministry uh, because you are the district superintendent. They want to be sure. impressive. I, I mean, I realize that. Yeah. I, so we try to cut through the smoke. Mm-hmm. And so we will intentionally turn to the wife and say, well, how are things with you? Mm-hmm. And you'll see the bottom lip mm-hmm. start to quiver mm-hmm. or and even the tears say, start to yeah, flow. Yeah. And, wow. and, and, and um, I, I wish that didn't happen very often, mm-hmm. but unfortunately it happens more than we might care to admit. Mm-hmm. So we ask the questions, are you having a date night with your wife? Mm-hmm. Uh, you are you taking time off, off to be yeah. together? Do you do things together? Are you spending time together? Um, wh- what are some of the things you're struggling with in your relationship mm-hmm. right now? Because listen, we have struggles, we know you have struggles, let's just talk about those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, are you spending time together alone or are you with the kids all the time? Mm-hmm. And if you don't ask those questions mm-hmm. and if you don't address those questions, they never get answered. I've seen couples melt when you say, the husband says, I'm fine. And you say to the wife, how, how is he doing? Yes. <laughs> and she's honest and right. the, the guard is down. Yeah. The mask is off. That leads to this question that I'm, I'm intrigued with. I, I'm, I'm sort of on a quest to, to really um, you know, get people's feedback on this. Can, can a pastor um, have an effective ministry when... The home life is not healthy. How would you, how would you answer that? Because I think the instinct would say no way. But we talked about this offline mm-hmm. earlier today, and we see people get away with it a lot. That uh, pastors are seeing great things happening in their churches, and later we find out there's a crisis at home. You know, that's that's. I wish there was an answer to that question, Mitch, because you ask, can a pastor have an effective ministry? Um, and my my observation has been that I have seen many pastors have what we would call in the eyes of the world tremendously successful ministries uh, of churches that are growing, people that are coming to Christ, where on the outward perception of things, it seems that God is really at work and really moving. Mm -hmm. 
but on the inside, their own personal life and many times their marriages are in a shambles. Mm. And, you know, God can work through us in spite of us. And the word tells us that. But I don't think that's the best way. Mm. And I don't know that God gets the most glory that mm. way. Mm. And we all know the stories we're too familiar with, with uh, individuals that have had quote-unquote, successful, effective, vital, impactful ministries, sometimes for years, oftentimes for decades, but they've been living a double life. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I have an answer to that. I yeah. haven't figured well, you all would, that out. Well, you would distinguish between effective and healthy. Yes. Can, can a pastor have a healthy ministry when he's not healthy? I, I would think that'd be probably impossible. Uh, I've heard someone someone uses the expression that your church is as healthy as your marriage. Uh, do you agree with that? Or as healthy as the pastor? Well, you know, the scripture tells us that a disciple is not above his teacher. Mm -hmm. But a disciple is fully formed when he becomes like his teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, fully developed. And so you can't take people beyond where you are yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a great uh, point. And, great and point. so... Um, there's a difference, I believe, between uh, authentic, Holy Spirit-led, impactful ministry and ministry that, that from outward perceptions appears to have all of the rudiments that we would be looking for. But um, I don't know, it's just such a mm. tough question, yeah. isn't it? I think it's good to ask the question is. And, and continue to struggle with that question because it, uh, it, it needs to come up. It needs to come up more. Uh, Cheryl, what do you say to a, a pastor's wife who feels that she has to keep up a good front when her marriage is hurting or dying? I would tell her to seek help from a trusted person mm. Mm. and just be honest. Mm. And um, I would tell her to do whatever it takes to do her part. A lot of healing has to be with humbling yourself and not just standing they are judging the other person that is in in your relationship with you, um, doing whatever it takes to 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 do the restoring part. You know, not all marriages are saved. Mm. Um, yeah, sadly. And, right. Um, I would remind her that um, ministries can be replaced or restored, uh, but the marriage was uh, the promise that you mm -hmm. made. And that that is a lifetime promise. Yeah, the 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 commitment to a church is not a covenant. Right. Right. <laughs> like marriages. Um, yeah, I I I will often tell pastors that uh, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, that in five years, you know, right. when you leave the church in five years, your elders are going to struggle to remember who you were. It's true. Uh, your it's kids true. are your kids are never going to forget uh, who you were. Um, one of my turning points in, in this arena uh, was when my son, my oldest son, who's with the Lord now, turned five on his fifth birthday. We put off his birthday party because I had an elders meeting. And I'm ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. And I felt convicted immediately. And, and I made a commitment after that, that uh, from here on, my kids come first. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I think that's, that's the way it needs to be. Well, uh, wow, this has, been, this has been exciting and encouraging. Anything else that you want to, to add here that you feel would be 
a good way to put a ribbon on this conversation. You both, both have done a great job expressing uh, the passion and burden here. And you would ask uh, in the questions you sent us about what we want the church to know. Hmm. And I wrote a list of things. Okay, would love you to hear like that. that. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, yeah. I would say, and I'm just going to read these. Good. Uh, to the church, I would say, love your pastor and his wife and realize the gift that they are to you. Pray for them. Pray with them. Encourage them in every way you can. Let them be honest and transparent with you as you share your lives together. Take down any barrier between you of expecting them to be perfect. Mm. Um, or have it together, or shoulder the responsibility of everything that happens in the ch- in the church. Follow your leaders without criticism. If you have a concern, go to them and work it out. Mm. Be a great and joyful servants with them. Mm. Have something to say to them. If you have something to say to them, say it. But don't ever be part of the negative club. Yeah. Love your pastor and his family as and let them be human. And cut down any kind of pedestal that you have erected for them. Support them by your presence whenever possible. Speak joy and hope. Be open to change and trying new things. And realize that the, the time is short. We need to work together to show the world Jesus. Mm, that's Not. beautiful. That was powerful. Thank you for that. I'll, uh, I'll ask you to, if you don't mind, uh, send that mm-hmm. to me. And I'll, I'll make that as a document that we can... Uh, available on the website. I, I don't think I'll be able to read your handwriting, so you might have to type it. <laughs> well, Phil and Cheryl, this has been um, deeply encouraging to me. And it's it's just, again, thank you for your honesty. I, I really believe that this is going to be a real encouragement to uh, to people. My joke is my two listeners are going to be so encouraged by, uh, by listening to this. <laughs> thank you both very much. You're welcome. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to this Before You Quit podcast. Hey, if you have any questions, any comments, I'm sure there'll be quite a few people that are going to want to write us and let us know what they thought about this. I'd I'd encourage you to. uh, Don't just assume that others are. I'd like to hear from you. But if you'd like to ask anything or comment about anything we've talked about today, as well as in the two previous episodes or other episodes that uh, you will hear, on Before You Quit. Uh, love to hear from you. You can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. That's mitch at beforeyouquit. Just spell out those three words, dot us. I'd like for you to also tell other people about this podcast. Share it on Facebook. Talk to your pastor about it. Share it with your elders. And Before You Quit is a, available also on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, it's a great way to listen when you're driving your car. Uh, or riding your bike like I like to do. I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm riding my bike. Uh, or just maybe you're going on a walk and you want to be listening to, uh, to these episodes. So until next week, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all the hard stuff that comes with it. And remember again what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.